Before we dive into today's episode, I want to tell you about a free three-act worksheet to help you structure your story. Whether you're a plotter or a pantser, a novelist or short fiction writer, this three-act worksheet will help you navigate your material and even begin each new story with a better plan. Download yours at nancypinuccio.com forward slash act. Stop getting stuck in the middle of your draft. Go grab this free worksheet, nancypinuccio.com forward slash act. So conflict could be confrontation or disappointment. So your character doesn't get the desired reaction or result. It could be suspicion. It could be downright refusal. It could be opposition. But even an ordinary exchange can contain conflict. The character enters the scene wanting something or expecting a certain outcome or response, and then something or someone gets in the way. And at the end of the scene, your protagonist either gets what she wants or not, or gets something she didn't expect. Writer Unleashed is for you, a writer who has a story you want to bring onto the page and into the hearts and minds of readers. I'm Nancy Pinuccio, writer, editor, and writing coach. And each week, we'll explore techniques, mindsets, and inspiration for writing stories readers can't put down. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let's begin. stories since the beginning of time, fables, myths, movies, plays, stories, and novels have involved conflict. Conflict is the essence of dramatic action. Somebody wants something and goes out to get it and has trouble getting it. That's what a story is in a nutshell. Conflict in story is essential because it creates narrative tension that keeps your readers invested. Here's the thing. Readers don't like conflict in real life. We try to avoid it at all costs. And we read to imagine what we do if we were in your character's situation. We live vicariously through your character in his or her quest to get something that deeply matters. And we're interested in the struggle to get it. That's where the tension lies. Something's stopping your character from getting it, and every scene will contain conflict or some adversarial relationship as your character goes after the thing they want. So every scene will end with either a win for your main character or a loss. So before we dive into today's episode, let's talk about common mistakes writers make with conflict. Sometimes writers make it too easy for the protagonist to get what he or she wants, and that deflates all the tension and suspense for the reader. 
And then the reader has no reason to keep reading. Sometimes writers avoid direct confrontation between characters. So the conflict will exist in the character's head, but this character doesn't take a stand or do something to get what she wants. And she doesn't confront her adversary directly or even obliquely. So there's no conflict. She may think about why this person or thing is in the way, but there's no direct confrontation. Or sometimes writers will string together conflict after conflict after conflict. So it swings from one conflict to another and another, and they're major conflicts. So there are sequential rounds of fighting, for example. It might swing from one battle to the next battle or from one highly contentious interaction to another. And that's equally as flat as a story with no dramatized conflict. And it wears down the reader. So you want to bring a few moments of rest. Give your story and your reader some breathing room. Allow them to absorb the big conflict that just happened and prepare the reader for the next clash. You do want conflict in every scene or some adversarial tension, but not every conflict needs to be high drama. Don't confuse conflict with a fight or a war or a heated argument. Now, historically, we have stories that deal with the evils of human nature. For example, Shakespeare used deception and poison and murder. So the conflicts were epic and operatic. But stories have evolved a lot. And these days, fiction aims to destabilize the reader's expectations and assumptions. So the antagonist does not have to be bad or evil. The best stories show at least some glimmer of humanity in the opponent. The conflict can be subtle, it can be layered and complex, it can be an ordinary exchange. If character A asks character B a question, and character B looks away without answering, or gives a non-answer, changes the subject, or dodges it in some other way, or lies, that's opposition, it's conflict. If a 12th grader wants to pass his regent's exam, but he's about to pass out from the heat, that's conflict. If Justine is about to give a TED Talk and the person who introduces her pronounces her last name wrong, that's conflict. So conflict does not have to be a fight or high drama. And if your story is inherently high drama, let's say Harry Potter versus Voldemort, you can still bring conflict to every scene without it being an epic battle between good versus evil. Conflict does not have to be violent or epic. So in today's episode, we're going to talk about how to bring conflict into every scene in a way that's more subtle and I think much more effective and riveting than a scene where there's a high-speed car chase or a fight or a heated argument. Those things may have a place in your story, but there are other ways to bring conflict into your story. So 
the very first thing you want to get clear on is what your main character wants to get by the end of your story. It's got to be a strong need. And then that strong need will be thwarted by a personified antagonist. So there will be a clash between your protagonist and antagonist. Now, by personified, I don't mean the antagonist has to be another person necessarily. It might be a person. It might be an enemy. But it could also be a friend who's trying to convince your protagonist to do something she doesn't want to do. They're not enemies necessarily. They just have conflicting desires. One character wants something that the other doesn't want or doesn't have the courage to give. For example, in Amy Hempel's story in the cemetery where Al Jolson is buried, the narrator wants to give her dying friend the necessary support she wants. Her friend is expecting that and has even arranged an extra bed in her hospital room for the narrator to spend the night. But her fear of facing her friend's death is too much to bear. And at the end, she fails to give her friend the needed support. She doesn't spend the night. She goes home. Eventually, her friend dies, and she deeply regrets that decision to leave that day. But every scene is a version of her trying to give her dying friend the necessary support, despite the fear she has of seeing her friend die. Her fear gets the upper hand. So your personified antagonist could be a person, but it could also be a group of people. I'm thinking of The Walking Dead, where you have different communities fighting each other for survival. So in each season, there's a new community threatening the main characters. There's the saviors, and then in a different season, the whisperers. The antagonist might be a fish, like in Hemingway's The Old Man in the Sea. It could be a system or bureaucracy. Franz Kafka's The Trial is about a man arrested one morning on charges that are never made clear to him. So he tries to find out what he's accused of. His antagonist is not a single person, but the bureaucracy of the legal system. Your personified antagonist could be nature. It might be the weather or some other element of nature. I'm thinking of Cheryl Strayed's memoir, Wild, about her solo 94-day hike along the Pacific Crest Trail, or John Krakauer's book, Into Thin Air, about the Mount Everest disaster where eight people died. The antagonist could be your protagonist. Your main character can have conflicting desires, internalized beliefs that impede him from getting what he wants. I'm thinking of Holden Caulfield in The Catcher in the Rye. Holden sees everyone else as his antagonist, but we, the reader, can see what he can't see, that he judges everyone in his life, and he chooses to alienate them. It's a defense mechanism, but he chooses to be a loner. He prides himself on it. So your personified antagonist could be, number one, 
another person or animal or fish. Number two, a group of people. Number three, a system like the law or societal expectations. Number four, your protagonist. And number five, nature. There may be many things thwarting your main character. It may be all of those things I just spoke about. So there may be a matrix of opposition, and that's a good thing. You want that. But there should be one primary antagonist. In Amy Hempel's In the Cemetery Where Al Jolson is Buried, the antagonist is the dying friend. There's no battle or argument. The narrator disappoints her friend profoundly and regrets it. In Anna Karenina, she wants to be with Vronsky, but her husband won't grant her a divorce. He's the primary antagonist. He threatens to take away her son. But divorce in 19th century Russia is not that easy to get. It's actually very complicated, so she's got that going against her as well. But her main antagonist, her primary antagonist, is her husband. So conflict could be confrontation or disappointment, so your character doesn't get the desired reaction or result. It could be suspicion. It could be downright refusal. It could be opposition. But even an ordinary exchange can contain conflict. The character enters the scene wanting something or expecting a certain outcome or response, and then something or someone gets in the way, and at the end of the scene, your protagonist either gets what she wants or not, or gets something she didn't expect. Here's an example from Margaret Atwood's novel, Cat's Eye. So the novel is about Elaine Risley. She's a painter who returns to her hometown of Toronto, where she grew up, for a retrospective of her art. Now, the novel is written mostly as flashback, as Elaine reflects on the events of her childhood that shaped who she is in the present. Here's a brief scene. I write the final grade 13 exams, subject after subject, day after day, sitting at a desk in the gymnasium. The leaves are fully out. The irises are in bloom. There's a heat wave. The gymnasium heats up like an oven, and we all sit in there, superheated, writing away, while the gymnasium exudes the smell of bygone athletes. Several girls faint. One boy keels over and is found afterward to have drunk a pitcher of tomato juice out of the refrigerator, which was really Bloody Mary's for her mother's bridge club. As the bodies are carried out, I scarcely look up from the page. Okay, there's more, but... So far, the conflict is subtle. So what does she enter the scene wanting? Well, she wants to do well in her final exams. Here's the conflict, though. The kids are passing out. Now, she's aware of this. It's very hot. But she won't let that stop her from acing her exams. 
The gymnasium is super hot. Kids are fainting. One boy kills over. Bodies are carried out. She scarcely looks up from the page. Here's the rest of the scene. I know I'll do well in the two biology exams. I can draw anything. The insides of crayfish ears, the human eye, frog's genitalia, the blossom of the snapdragon in cross-section. I know the difference between a raceme and a rhizome. I explicate photosynthesis. I can spell scrofularacea. But in the middle of the botany examination, it comes to me like a sudden epileptic fit that I'm not going to be a biologist as I have thought. I am going to be a painter. I look at the page where the life cycle of the mushroom from spore to fruiting body is taking shape, and I know this with absolute certainty. My life has been changed soundlessly, instantaneously. I continue my explication of tubers, bulbs, and legumes as if nothing has happened. So she enters the scene wanting to do well on her exams. She does. It's a win, despite kids passing out, despite the heat. But the bigger win here is her realization that she's not going to be a biologist, as she thought. She's going to be a painter. So it's a small scene, but it's a pivotal moment because, of course, we meet her in the present as a painter returning to her hometown for this retrospective of her art. So it's significant. It's a moment of realization. She thought one thing going into the scene and realized something new at the end of it. Now, the author could have just showed her taking her exams and coming to that realization, but she brought in conflict. She didn't make it easy. We have the heated gymnasium. It felt like an oven. We have the fainting kids being carried out. So it's subtle. We're not thinking conflict here. We're delighting in the clash of ideas right on the sentence level. It disrupts our expectations. I don't know about you, but if I was in that gymnasium, I would be very uncomfortable and focused on the heat, and I'd be hyper-vigilant about the kids passing out. So it's not high drama, but there's conflict. Another effective way to bring conflict into a scene is through dialogue. Any adversarial exchanges that you have in a scene lift the dialogue off the page. Again, it doesn't have to be a fight or a contentious situation. It can be, but it doesn't have to be. Character A wants one thing. Character B wants something else. Here's a short scene between the protagonist, Elaine, and her main antagonist, Cordelia, from Cat's Eye. You coming out to play, says Cordelia, on our way home from school? I have to help my mother, I say. Again, says Grace. How come she does that so much? She never used to do it. Grace, 
has begun talking about me in the third person, like one grown-up to another when Cordelia is there. I think of saying my mother is sick, but my mother is so obviously healthy, I know I won't get away with this. She thinks she's too good for us, says Cordelia. Then to me, do you think you're too good for us? No, I say. Thinking you are too good is bad. We'll come and ask your mother if you can play, says Cordelia, switching back to her concerned, friendly voice. She won't make you work all the time. It isn't fair. And my mother smiles and says yes, as if she's pleased that I'm so much in demand and I am pried away from the muffin cups and the washing machine ringer expelled into the outside air. So this is a short scene. It's an exchange between the narrator and her two girlfriends. The main antagonist here is Cordelia. Cordelia is the main antagonist in the novel. She's the focal point of Elaine's memories in the present. Now, on the level of scene, the conflict is pretty simple. Elaine doesn't want to go out to play after school. She wants to stay home. Her friends, though, and in particular Cordelia, challenge her. Cordelia doesn't believe her or accept her excuse and then finally asks Elaine's mother herself. So it's a defeat for Elaine. It's a minor loss, but it's a loss. So conflict can be confrontation, disappointment, suspicion, refusal, or opposition. But even an ordinary exchange can contain conflict. So there will be loss or small defeats. There's minor victory or major victory. In the scene with Cordelia, Elaine had a small defeat. It was a small defeat, nothing major. In the scene in the gym, it's a minor victory that she finished her exam in the heat in the fainting students, but it's a major victory that she realizes she wants to be a painter, having thought she had wanted to be a biologist all this time. So where do you find conflict for your story? Well, we only have to look at our own lives to find material for our stories. We have all quarreled or argued with someone, even if it's just in our own head, even if it's just imagined. We've all felt intimidated, even if it's just momentarily, by someone who's more intellectually or physically powerful than us. Bosses, parents, even a friend. Elaine is intimidated by her friend Cordelia. We've all lied And those lies may be big or small. Elaine's lie about her mother needing her is a small lie. So these are all types of conflict you can bring to your story. They can be big or small. There are many ways to create an adversarial implication. It doesn't have to be overt or epic. Okay, so let's wrap this up. Conflict in story is necessary, but it doesn't have to be high drama. Ideally, conflict is personified in a protagonist and an antagonist. 
your protagonist may face a matrix of opposition, a person, a system, and the weather, for example. But the most effective is a single antagonist, one main antagonist. Now, that main antagonist may be an animal. It could be a bear or a fish. Hemingway's novella, The Old Man in the Sea, is about an old man who longs for his younger days, and that's personified through his antagonistic relationship with a fish. Cheryl Strayed's struggle is with the grief of her mother's death, and the antagonist is personified by the trail itself. Anna Karenina longs for true love. She's in a cold, loveless marriage, and her desire is for Vronsky, but her main antagonist is personified in her husband. Yes, there are other oppositional forces at play, but her main antagonist is her husband. In Cat's Eye, Elaine's main antagonist is Cordelia. Conflict can be confrontation, disappointment, suspicion, refusal, or opposition. Even an ordinary exchange can contain conflict. Every scene should ideally have some element of conflict or some adversarial implication. For example, taking exams in suffocating heat. That's conflict or trying to get out of coming out to play with friends by lying. So think about how conflict shows up in your life and bring them into your story. Do any of your characters envy other characters? Do they quarrel or disagree? Do they lie? Do they flat out refuse a request? Do they ignore someone or something? Conflict is everywhere. It's in the big moments, but it's also in those small everyday moments. So bring them into every scene. And remember, conflict does not have to be high drama all the time. So there you have it. Thanks for hanging out with me today. And if you know any writers who need some support in their writing, please share this episode or the Writer Unleashed podcast in general. And if you love what you're listening to, subscribe on your favorite listening platform and please leave me a review. Reading how this podcast impacts your writing truly lights me up and helps me create topics for the show. Till next time, keep writing and I'll talk to you soon.